Welcome to another episode of the Week Pastor Podcast, where we view Christianity through the lens of vulnerability. Well, welcome to the Week Pastors Podcast. We're so grateful that you've decided to join us. Thank you for being with us here today. We're excited about talking to you about marriage today. But before we do that, we just want to let you know again, we started this podcast because we wanted to look at faith, the Christian faith through the lens of vulnerability. Uh, we're, we're about keeping this raw and real, and I hope that you'll get a sense of a genuineness of our faith, that we don't have it all together. We do struggle. We're talking about marriage. We're going to be talking about the struggles that we've encountered in our marriage. We're just trying to keep it raw and real, but hopefully that'll encourage you to pursue the faith, uh, the Christian faith, with, uh, with deep urgency, but also with passion, and that's our hope. And so, so grateful that you're here. We do have a website, www.weekpastor.org, and we do pray that you'll get on there. Uh, engage with us if you have any questions questions we'd love to do we love to answer them and we'll try to do our best to get it in the podcast uh the following week so hopefully you're engaged with us in that way but sua how you doing why don't you introduce yourself hi uh, introduce myself again hi Always. everybody i'm back i know you're super happy you're you, welcome would you arnold schwarzenegger i'm back <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> and then it sound as good. Well, i think it was like I, i'll be back i am huh? back i am okay. back okay how do you say that in spanish i'm back Oh, I don't know. You regrese. It doesn't sound as cool. Oh, it doesn't sound as cool. I wonder what cool. they how they translated it in the actual movie. I saw, <laughs> you know what? I watched the Terminator movies in Spanish. Just, you know, everything I watched growing up was dubbed in Spanish. So when I moved to the US, it was like <laughs> Wait, watching so a whole let new... the audience know, how many years what what age did you live in Guatemala? So I moved there when I was five from Korea. And then I moved here when I was like 12, 13. Um, so all my all the movies that I watched in my like Chucky, I, I watched Chucky in Spanish. Oh, in my in my world, Chucky was killing people and yelling in Spanish. That's awesome. like the whole thing. Yeah. Disney Man. Channel, everything was in Spanish. It's wow. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever think you were Spanish? No, you didn't. You you always like I'm no. I'm Korean. No, right. I mean you I, it was a very small Korean community. So I actually grew up extremely Korean, I would say, which is why I speak Korean better than I think people who grew up yeah. in America. But man, I'm telling you, it was it was a very strange experience. And I think the moment when I realized I really had come to America and it was like a real thing was when I went to Six Flags because I had seen all the ads for Six Flags and the US channels on the Guatemalan TV. And I was like, that place looks magical. Oh man. And then is. when I finally arrived at Great Adventure, I was like, I am here. Like I'm, I'm finally here. in the land of flowing milk which, and honey. Which a Guatemalan accent. I don't have yeah. a Guatemalan accent. Oh, okay. Okay. So are you klutz? What do you think? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. All right. So let's do this. Share the most embarrassing moments. Oh, boy. One oh. of the most embarrassing moments We're you've doing ever this. had. Yeah, We're doing this. absolutely. Why don't you share it? Oh, gosh. You know, I have so many. Some of them are like not so you appropriate for this. I am. No, huge. no. Anything is appropriate. No, no, no. no, no. Trust me. No, no. Right. There was one that I asked John, my husband, and he was like, you cannot share that publicly because it's inappropriate if you know me personally, come ask me and I will tell you the story. Oh, and, man, um, I want to know. But I, I, I might tell you after. <laughs> All right, everyone, maybe maybe we'll do one of those. Um, you send an email to Sue and yeah. you need to tell me what's your most Maybe we'll do one moment. of those like fundraising challenges where it's like, if you hit this, I will tell you about this. <laughs> okay, okay. an appropriate moment in my life. All right. I but love um, it. no, but I have a lot because I am like a huge class. I am one of the clumsiest people ever. Um, but I will tell you this one because um, it's very memorable. Mm. Um, so when I was in high school slash college, there is this trend in the Bergen County Korean American like girl group where you okay. had like a fake hair that you could attach to your head. Oh. So they're like hair extensions, but they're not like woven into your hair the way like fancy people do it. It's um, like a clip. So you just you, you just like clip it onto your hair. So you have like so I had this... what, what's the purpose of doing that if you have a full set of hair? 
because like it's styled already and it makes okay. you look like you have longer hair. So let's say you and have a lot like, of hair, like a lot yeah, more volume. Exactly. Okay. So okay. if you have like short hair and you tie a ponytail, it doesn't look great. So you mm. attach this like long curly ponytail clip onto your ponytail and it makes you look like you have flowing curly full ponytail. You know, it's, it's, it's great. Trust me. It looked nice. Okay. At, okay. And back then at least I thought it looked nice. So anyway, I had a bunch of these that my um, aunt had sent me from Korea. Um, like, I mean, I, I, it was, I had a whole drawer full of hair, <laughs> different colors. <laughs> different. Well, no, it has to match your head. Okay, so it has okay, to be okay. the right. Oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah, it has yeah, to match. Yeah, your head. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So anyway, so this is during when I was at NYU. Um, and for those of you guys who may not know, NYU does not have a campus. So you're out in the streets of New York city. Okay. So it's not like you're sheltered in this one area yeah, where yeah. like everyone just wears sweatpants and like rolls out of bed and goes to class. Like we're, you, as soon as you step out of your dorm, which is a New York city apartment, like you're in New York city. Okay. Yeah. Like fashion capital. Right. So on this particular day, I had chosen to wear my hair clip, the one that was like a long extension. And so I'm like crossing the street. Um, and I see this like super cute guy, like checking nice. me out. And I'm like, Oh he's yeah, like I, out, I got nice. Like, I still got it. Like I, I look pretty good. Like he's staring at me. Like he was totally like checking me out. And I felt yeah. really like yeah, he yeah. was into me. And I was like, yeah, like, I got it right. Like I, I'm, I look hot. So I'm strutting down, you know, ninth, ninth and 11th. Like I'm strutting down. And then suddenly like the lights like changing and the guy starts running after me. So I'm like, Oh, this guy is so into me. And this guy, <laughs> and I'm, so I like do my hair flip and I'm like, yes. And then he goes, miss, I think you dropped your hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dude, that is so embarrassing. I, oh my gosh. Oh gosh. It was so Wait, mortifying. He, I literally brutal. grabbed my hair and I just like, I think ran to like oh my class. Oh my goodness. I mean, so, can you? I never knew that side of you. I want to know that side of you. That's the side I think. Wait, be, which side? The vein the side or side. the dumb side? That side? That's just awesome. No, oh, it was totally terrible. But it's, I mean, he was like, miss, I think you uh, dropped your hair. <laughs> Okay, it's your turn. It's your no, turn. I I, I've had so many. I, I can't really remember one profound one, but I would tell you like what be would be the most embarrassing moment of my life if it ever happened. I'm and I'm definitely. Wait, it afraid. hasn't happened. This is a hypothetical. It hasn't happened yet. But here, here is, this is no, no, no. I'm not. I'm not. I am definitely afraid of this. I'm afraid of going up to the pulpit and preaching, but my zipper is open. That I has never happened. I'm actually surprised that has never, never happened. happened. But you know what I do? I always check before I go up. I always check. Is it? And then oh, there's sometimes I go up there. I go up there and I'm preaching, Sua. And I'm like, <gasps> and as I'm speaking, I'm like, oh, shoot. I didn't check so my zipper. No, there's no discreet way of checking. Like on There's stage. no discreet no. way of checking. Even if I tell them, let's pray, you know, I'm still <laughs> online. So people will see me. So I can't even do that. So I'm thinking, Oh, please, please, please <laughs> let the zipper not be open. And so Wait. that would be the most embarrassing moment of my life if that ever happened. But I think there was one time, wasn't there a time when we were at Lincoln where you went to the bathroom with your your microphone on? <laughs> no. Yes, no, there was somebody. There was somebody at Lincoln who, who was wearing a microphone <laughs> and they went to the bathroom and the entire congregation heard a flush. No yeah, way. Yeah, John and I oh, talk about shoot, this sometimes. Maybe it is me then. <laughs> I Maybe you nobody, like your brain has had blocked to, it out. Nobody of had the heart to tell me that then, because no, nobody I, heard I, it. Because I, I, I would have known if, so, if if somebody would have said, "Hey, oh, I know about I know embarrassing moment." What? An what? embarrassing moment is years ago at Easter service. Okay, uh -oh. so Easter service, I don't have my microphone pack. I usually use you know our sound guy. He brings all of his own stuff. Right. 
and I can't turn myself on and off. I just can't do that. And so, um, so we recorded the Easter service, and I went to go listen back into it, and he never turned my mic off <gasps> during worship. Oh, and so you were one of the praise team members. <laughs> I was singing so off key. And you know, sometimes when I feel the spirit, I get a little inspired, and it's not any key. I was just singing off key, and you hear it, and it's, <laughs> it's hideous. Wait, are you tone deaf? No, I'm not. No, okay. I, but still, it just didn't sound because I'm trying to harmonize. I'm not a good harmonizer, but I try. I try. I do my best to harmonize, and it's awful. I mean, yeah, it's absolutely. And I, I was, cannot believe you didn't turn it off. So now, I must have like, I've been there. So now during service, oh, this is when you left. Now during service, like even Eastern stuff, I will, he had a tape on it. Like, like if he brings his own stuff, I was like, no, I'm going to turn myself on and off. I don't trust you anymore, dude. All right, because people heard it. They were making fun of me and all that stuff. So that was a pretty embarrassing moment. But it would not be as embarrassing if I preach with, you know, with my zipper open. Well, so. at least that should give you compassion for worship leaders, how hard That's it is right. for them, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay, well, we got to get to it now, right? Because we've been digressing here so much. But Sua, we're talking about so marriage. Funny. And so could we... First of all, can you just share with our audience, how long have you been married and how did you meet John? How did the courtship go and all that kind of stuff? Just really quickly. Oh my can. God, that's that's a long, I'll try to make it really quick. So we've been together in, well, we've been married 12 and a half years, but we- And then he dumped you when he first dated you, well, right? Well, we've been married for 12 and a half years, but I have I met him when I was 17. And so I've known him for a lot longer than that. Um, we got married when you said you met him, you dated him when you were 17? Like you went out no, like on a so his, date? No, so his sister, who was my boss during one of my summer internships in high school, at oh. the end of my internship, she was like, do you want to meet someone? And I was like, not really. And then she was like, well, my brother, like, I want to introduce you to my brother. And I said to her, you know, Judy, like, I really like appreciate you, you know, <laughs> trying to introduce me to your brother, but like, I'm about to go to college. And I don't really think this is a time for me to meet a new boy. Like, it's going to be a long distance, like whatever. And she was like, yeah, yeah, I totally understand. And then the next day she's like, so my brother's downstairs. <laughs> it's like to complete disregard of anything I said. Um, Wait, and, so, and so then he asked you out like right there on the no, spot. Like, so he, oh, okay. he came he was downstairs because he was also working in New York City at the time he was in college gotcha. and um, he was doing a summer job. So we he bought me like a caramel macchiato at Starbucks. That was like the first thing he bought me. Mm -hmm. And then um, he was like not interested in me because he said I was not physically attractive to him. But you know wow. what? I just want for the record, I just wanted to be known that I also was not physically attracted. Because okay, I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you, like, did you? Were you like, oh yeah, I like this guy? No, we were okay. apparently mutually not attracted to each other. Okay. Okay, so then um, what happened then? What happened? Yeah, so we just stayed friends. Um, what does that mean? You just stayed friends? You just started I mean, we like... Just, well, he went we, back to college. I stayed in New York. And then um, we were, you know, we were like IMing each other. Remember the instant messenger? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was Cherry Scent. He was Monkey Man. And we were... Cherry <laughs> we, were we were messaging each other. Um, but I think he knew what a grave, you know, mistake he had made when he walked away from... Oh, come this on. Hottie with the fake hair. <laughs> yeah, with the so, fake hair called Cherry Sense. No, so anyway, um, he like borderline stalked me for a year. Um, after. Wow. Yeah, I, I kept deleting him from my like my IM list so that he couldn't, he kept blocking him so he couldn't message me or, or like he would call me and I would block his number and then he would get his friend to call me. Um, yeah, it was very strange. And then we, yeah. So then, then we ended up actually dating when I was 20. Wait, wait, wait. But didn't you guys date one time and then he did, He just broke up with you? Didn't like no, you? so we did. We dated for like two weeks of which 10 days I spent in overseas missions. So like it wasn't really a relationship, right? Okay, so you did go um, out. So how old were you when that happened? 17. 
Oh, okay. So you guys yeah. did go on like on a date. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But then okay, he dumped me. Sense. He dumped me, Why? and um, I was really upset because I was trying to dump him too. But then he oh, got to it first. Yeah. And then after it. that, no matter what I say, it That's just sounds like so I'm being a sore, sore loser, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, no matter what I say after he dumps me, it just sounds like I'm being pathetic. But I just want the record to show I was also gonna dump him. Okay. Okay. Yeah, All right. So and then, that, so then, yeah. fast forward three years, twenty years old, mm-hmm. you guys start dating again. And then, how long did you date before you got married? Four years, four okay. years. Long yeah. time. Yeah, yeah long but, time. But I mean, this is an episode for another time. But I think when John did not want to be with me the first time, a lot of it had to do, I think, with a self-hatred of Asian-ness um, mm. because I was very Korean. Um, yeah. Because I had grown up in Guatemala, but in a small Korean community. And so he, his exact words for what he did not find attractive in me was he said, you were very fobby, like fresh <laughs> off the boat, like fobby. <laughs> Um, and, but I, and I think that's true. I was Fabi, but I think the reason why that bothered him so much was because he had not reconciled how he felt about Asians in general. So there is some depth there that can be explored in another podcast. And and you wanted to break up with him because he didn't know, um, he didn't have a strong salvation theology. didn't know what predestination was all about and all that. You were a little fundamentalist. I was like, are you reformed or unreformed? We need to clarify this before we move on any further in our relationship. I was real fun. I was clearly, yeah, yeah. No, you definitely were not fun back then, but that's okay. All right. So then you, so you dated for four years, you got married and now you've been married for how long? 12 years, 12 and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. So So tell me about well, all right. So for me, I met I met Jenny in college, and I actually didn't like her when I first saw her. I I just she was so fobby, so Korean, oh, and you know, gosh, what is yeah, up with yeah. this? My Korean was so bad, Sua. Like I I had an inferiority complex, and they only like her friends only spoke Korean. I went they, to Montclair State. They yeah. only. <laughs> I went to Montclair State University, so there wasn't a lot of Koreans back then, and it was just a small group of Koreans there. And she hung out with them, and then my roommate was Korean, and he had a thing for her. And oh, he no. and he spoke he spoke he was bilingual, so he was totally okay with hanging out with them. I avoided them like the plague. Because the last thing I wanted to do was, you know, to try to hang out with them because my Korean wasn't good enough and I didn't want them to make fun of me or laugh. Like they la- like people laugh. Like if you can't speak Korean well and they laugh because you can't speak it, they think it's cute. But I think it's insulting. Yeah, you know, I'm I like, oh, so yeah. anyways, I, I avoided them like the plague. But then one day he just kind of forced me to go. and We hung out like in their room. Little did he know. <laughs> What was yeah, right, happen? right, right. So at one point, I actually tried to help him. I tried to help him to, you know, to date Jenny. And so I was like, you want me to like talk to her and call her for you? Like, oh, I can do that worst. if you want. <laughs> and terrible. so he's like, no, no, I'll do it. Don't worry about it. So he did. He, he tried. He asked her okay. out multiple times and she she said no. Okay, he had and his then, chance. Yeah, he had his chance. And then after like a couple of months later, like, you know, you know, we just started, all of us just started hanging out more. And then I just, you know, there was one day she came home, you know, she came back to campus from her house. She got a haircut and it all changed from there. I'm like, it was the, she opened the door and the wind was blowing. Her hair was oh just God. in the air. Like and I looked at her and I was like, holy cow. I haven't, who it's is like this It's like slow woman? motion, right? In the so movies. Everything was slow motion. See, now you understand why I needed the fake hair. It's That's all right. about the hair. Everything was slow motion. And then at that moment, it's like I saw her for the first time. And right then, like instantly, like I fell in love with her. I was like, okay, I got to figure this out. That's and so, yeah, we just started incredible. hanging out, talking and all that kind of stuff. And then we dated for about almost seven years. And then, uh, and then we finally years. got married. 
Did she like you at first glance? Yeah, well, I, I believe she liked me first because she was checking me out at the cafeteria when we first, you know, when I first started going, she started checking me out all the time. And Not I, to and stare you, at you, though, because you are, like, she, a head taller than everyone Well, else. that's exactly what it was. She's like, I you wasn't checking out you out. She goes, bit. you were so big. I've never yeah, seen such a big Korean in my life. Bit. I was like, no. Nah, Pastor Peter is six foot four, for the record. Yeah, I'm six, if you don't know, you. I'm six feet four inches tall. So as a Korean-American back in the 80s and 90s, early 90s, you know, I was definitely one of the one you of the still tallest stick Koreans. out. I, I I do, I do, I do. So anyway, so yeah, so we dated for about six and a half, seven years, and then her father finally called me and said, uh, "What are you gonna do with my daughter?" <laughs> he and waited said, long enough. Long enough, and I said, "I want to marry her." And then he said, "Well, hurry up, you got my blessing." And then six months later, we got married. That's so funny that he called you up. He like it wasn't even up. like she tried to DTR with you or. Well, it's so funny because at the time, you know, like I had a good job. I worked at NBC News, you know, That's MSNBC. Right. Right. I was doing producing and stuff. So they were just like, oh, there's a good kid. It's a good job. And, you know, you know, like I, I can give off a good vibe of like, oh, he seems like a nice guy, you know. And stuff. So I think like everything checked off according to the parents. So they just was like, hurry up. What are, what are you waiting for? And Fast so, forward yeah, a few it, years, it's like we're moving to California. It, it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, no, not a few years, a few months after we got married. Oh, is it I a said, few oh, months? Yeah, I, and oh, I know I tore gosh. his heart apart when I said, "Hey, I feel oh, like God's no. calling me to ministry." Like so I think he probably thought, he probably thought, "What a bait and switch this is!" Like Seriously? I can't believe it. I say yes That's to you because terrible. you make good money. Like the blah blah blah. You worked at NBC, New York blah, blah, City, close and to now home. you want to be a pastor. You know. So anyway, but yeah, but we've been married for 21 years now. So it's been you know it's been over two decades, and I'm just so grateful and. You know, we've been through a lot of ups and downs. And I think that's kind of what we want to talk about now is because, I mean, the reality is to us, most marriages right now in the church, outside the church, they're really struggling. People struggle and people, what they don't realize when they get married, they think, oh, it's great. And the wedding day is great. They spend a lot of money. But what they don't do is they don't prepare themselves for how do we journey together with this person that I'm supposed to be really intimate yeah, with, not just sure. physically, but emotionally, spiritually. Mm-hmm. And it's so hard. It's like the, you know, it's like in my opinion, like the real cross that you got to be picked up because you have to learn to like literally deny yourself if you want to stay married and yeah. be in a healthy relationship. Yeah. So yeah, so maybe you could share with the audience too. Like, what? Where was a moment when you just said, "Hmm, this was tough," or maybe like, you know, have you ever thought like, "I want to divorce this guy"? Have you ever thought that? Um, <clears throat> I think I would say probably not in a realistic way. Um, I have definitely thought after there have been times when I've thought, Hmm, like, was this the right move? (laughs) Like, is this really going to work forever? But I don't think there's ever been a time when I really was like, okay, I think I'm going to get divorced. However, we've come close to it a few times um, because no marriage is perfect. And I think pray tell, pray tell. Well, as cliche as it sounds, I do think when you go through a struggle together, you do come out stronger on the other side because you realize um, how strong your marriage actually is and how strong your bond can be. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say something funny before I go into the um, other. I, so I asked because it's a marriage. It's two people. Right. And so right. I asked John um, in preparation for this particular episode. I said to him, I said, hey, um, we're talking about marriage. And, you know, after 12 years, like, what do you think, you know, is one of those really difficult moments that you think about when you think about, you know, those real valleys of our marriage life, you know, like some really, really difficult times. And I will tell you the time that he brought up was not the time that I brought up. Um, so the time he brought up was the time right after we got married and, um, we had not, 
engaged in sex before and then after right. we got married so you guys did not um, have any premarital we did sex, not have premarital sex which um, is it, it, amongst christians that's still that's almost a miracle yeah it was great. four years and so we didn't do it we were wow, very much four, looking forward right, four years awesome yeah, yeah we were very much looking forward to having sex after um but we did it like a few times and then i like was not <laughs> interested <laughs> because what? no there's a reason for this the reason why i was not happy about it was because i feel like there was not enough communication that the church mm. had prepared me yeah, um yeah. for okay that doesn't that sentence doesn't make sense but basically it had been hyped up as this big 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 thing that god wants to give you as a gift after you get married and you just need to save yourself and it's going to be awesome but then after we got married it was not that awesome you know, at least yeah, in the beginning, it, it, was, it was not very that anticlimactic. Awesome. Yeah. It was very anticlimactic. And I was very, very disappointed. And I think that kind of made me um, not really interested in it. Um, and he, of course, had been waiting all this time. And finally, he's like, this is my time to shine. And then his wife is basically like, no, sorry, I'm not into it. <laughs> wow. So apparently this was the most difficult time. Yeah, his, I'd say um, marriage life. I, that's not what I would necessarily And that's say. not uncommon in a lot of newlywed marriages. Like, it's just like they had all these expectations of what it was going to be. And then it was just disaster. Yeah. I mean, I just think the, yeah. the expectations were not set for me in a realistic way because we don't talk about it in the church at all. And again, this is also another future possible episode. Um, but we don't talk enough in the church about sex. Uh, we right. just talk about don't do that you know, yeah, don't have yeah, sex, but we yeah. don't talk about what it actually is and what it can look like. Um, so anyway, happy to report that was a valley back then. We are Wait, so before you share over that, the good that. Piece, yeah, but how long did that last? <laughs> how long do we need to linger on this topic? Well, how um, long did that last? So, I would say a few months, a few months. So a few um, months you guys didn't have sex when you first got married. I remember it not being as sparse as he remembers it. <laughs> uh, clearly we colored our past a bit differently i was like <laughs> i feel like we still kind of did it and he was like we did it we really did it like i would remember and i was like okay well i don't know so you know i don't know our past memories are distorted by how we felt so i'm not really sure who's the accurate historian here okay but um anyway he remembers it as being like a real real parched desert and i remember it being like spotty rain we'll just leave it at that um but, but what's going on now oh 14 it's, years it's, later it's a monsoon <laughs> it's it's much better it's, what, what do you mean by monsoon? Well, I said like it was because I said it was a desert before. It's oh, a monsoon okay. it's a, now. It's a tsunami but, of sexual so, bliss. So, so give give the people who are listening what changed, what made it so good now? Like, because that's fourteen years. People say when you get married, it's all downhill because sex is going to be good in the beginning, but then it's going to suck later oh, on. Oh, that right? is absolutely, I would say, not okay. true. So you're you're you guys are the opposite. You guys started out really bad, and now it's like. You know, it's it's over. It's like the promised land, right? It's great. So <laughs> the promised what, land. That what, sounds so. What bad. has changed? Like what? Ha, like what do married couples need to know? No, need to know. Like what? What has been like the biggest difference uh, for you guys and allowed you guys to really enjoy having sex regularly? Because that's exactly what married couples should be doing. They should be having sex regularly. Well, I think the first thing in my, on my part, on my end, was I needed to adjust my expectations that it was not going to be this instant magical connection and that, you know, there's going to be fireworks everywhere. I think okay. it takes practice just yep. like anything else, yep. um, especially it's two people. You know, even if you're right. doing a dance routine together with two people, you have to practice a lot until you really yeah. get it to go to a place where it is something good. I mean, I think it's the same exact concept. I think one thing that's very helpful, um, at least it was helpful for me, 
um, from John was that he was very open um, to kind of learning along. I, I so don't communication, I don't wanna, right? Communication is really important. I don't want to gender stereotype here, but I think there's um, a tendency for men to sometimes feel a little bit um, threatened when the woman <laughs> expresses certain dissatisfaction. Um, yeah, and I yeah. think even the fact that I can say something like this publicly when people know my husband, I think speaks to the fact that John has come to a place where he's pretty secure right. about this whole topic, because I think a lot of times men do feel threatened. Right. Yep. Um, and so it's helpful for, at least for me in this instance, that he was not feeling, um, insecure and threatened by every single constructive criticism that I had. Right. He was receptive because ultimately yeah. he wanted both of us to be happy and both of right. us to be, walk away feeling like we got something great. So, um, yeah, communication, which That's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Way to go, John, way to listen and be humble and hear. Cause that's, John, yeah. I, I find that I, I find that for most guys, like you said, it is hard. And, and, yeah. and many times, you know, uh, sex is, sex is a character shaping kind of a practice. And so mm. like how you participate in sex, determines kind of like where your character is. And if you're just thinking about yourself and you having your orgasm, you don't think about your spouse, then there's something really wrong with that. Like you have to want your spouse to enjoy it even more than you. And that's a really healthy wow. way yeah. to, to express sex in that way. So, okay, so let's stop. This is not a sex episode, but so Sua, like, was there a moment in your marriage where, you, like, so John, it was the first three months of your marriage. What was the hardest moment for you? Um, I would say the hardest moment that kind of sticks out for me was um, there was a time right around the time I got pregnant with my first daughter um, where John... <laughs> John decided to partake in a Spartan race, but as crazy as and competitive as he is, his goal was to beat his cousin who's like 10 years younger than him and was in the ROTC and was like training in the army. And he was like, yeah. I'm going to beat his time. And so he did it and he beat his time by a lot. Um, but it was a bit of a Pyrrhic victory because in the process, he like <laughs> fractured his spine like multiple times. <laughs> So, I mean, I don't know. Was it you really can only laugh about it now because it's many years later, but that was hell and back. Yeah, I'm yeah, laughing, I remember but that. I'm crying inside. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, so I was seven months pregnant. He was getting a, a spine surgery. Um, and the worst part of it is the spine surgery did not go well because when they mm. opened him up and went in there, they found out what they thought was the problem was not actually the problem. And so he actually had a fracture. They thought it was just a disc, um, oh, but he geez. had a fracture. So anyway, they closed him up and they were like, um, wear this brace for like, you know, six weeks and we'll see where it goes. Funny story here. John was super self-conscious about wearing that brace because like, Why? he was like, people are going to ask me what's like, what that is. And like, he just felt, I don't know. He just was very mm -hmm. self-conscious. Now fast forward to a couple months, we were going to a gala. I think it was a Zimele gala. Okay. And who do we run into? But pastor Peter. And he's like, ha ha ha. Are you moving things, John? <laughs> He's wearing the back brace and you're like laughing at him and you're like, are you here to move things? <laughs> oh, I'm so heartless. I had no idea I said that. Oh, that's I was terrible. dying. I mean, like, I was trying so hard not to laugh because it's so funny. John, um, if you're listening, but... I apologize if I never apologize for that. That's terrible. I'm so sorry, John. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. So it but, was hard. It was hard for okay, him. It was really hard. I'm sure it was um, hard for you because you're, you're trying to take care of a little baby. Because he couldn't do anything. He couldn't bend over. Yeah, he, he couldn't. couldn't so it was physically hard. But 
that's not the part that was really hard. The part that was really hard actually was after I had Lila, my first daughter, he ended up having his second surgery. And he was actually, I think, almost like borderline clinically depressed because they had told him, we don't know. He was in chronic pain. And I think chronic pain does really strange things to your mental health. Um, And he had at this point, he had been in chronic, unrelenting pain for eight months. Right. Um, So he was in horrible pain. He was very moody. Um, I was pregnant then had a baby. So I was moody and hormonal. Um, And he just would tell me like all of these darkest concerns that he had about his life. Like, will I ever be able to hold my child? Will I ever be able to walk away, walk around? Will I be able to complete my medical residency where I'm doing surgeries have to stand all the time? Like he he was taking a disability at the time from his residency. He's like, why did God allow me to get into my like orthopedic dream residency and then like possibly he's gonna like take it away from me like what is he doing to me and the reason why that was hard because I'm focusing on this transition of becoming a parent taking care of a child so I didn't have necessarily the mental and emotional capacity to listen to his concerns for him that was probably the darkest time of his life the most uncertainty that he's ever had as a man like will I be able to take care of my family right I mean physically and also financially so he was in a dark time but I just couldn't do that with him because I was like I'm trying to keep this baby literally alive like I'm trying to get my sleep like I can't do this and so I think we were just not communicating well looking back on it I do feel some some regret a lot of regret that I wasn't able to be there as a partner um, present for him because I think that um you know, that would have made a difference for him feeling that I, he was being heard. I don't necessarily know if he wanted me to do anything. I think he just wanted me to listen to him. But I in, I was in survival mode and I just could not do that. You know, so, so what was the what was the byproduct of that? Was it just a lot of fighting? Was he cursing you out? You cursing out was something else happened? Like, what was the byproduct of 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 this kind of pain? He's been in so, and you just being over, you can't even like, you're just trying to take care of, keep a kid alive. Right. And so, so like, what was the byproduct? I'm very good at compartmentalizing things. And so um, even when we used to date, like when we get, get into fights, like right. I would go home and I would just fall asleep and then I would wake up refreshed the next day and go talk to him. And he would look like crap because he hasn't slept all night. Cause he's like reviewing yeah. the entire conversation in his head. So we're very different people right, in the way right. we, you know, deal with conflict. So even when this was happening, I was actually able to block out what was happening with him because I was like, I need to concentrate on this part of my life. So I'm just blocking you out. What that did for him, unfortunately, because I am his only real partner, right? That understands him and is there for him or was supposed to be there for him. He kind of isolated himself inside his own uh, mental cage or prison. And so I think he started imploding. Like he was, you know, so emotional. Um, Anything would set him off. Um, he was like, I think clinically depressed. And oh, yeah, I will tell yeah, you the yeah, thing sure. that really changed was I think one day he recognized that something was off and he was like, I think I need help. And he mm-hmm. did seek out help. And the help came in the form of you, Pastor Kevin, and I think Michael Zavada. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he actually went and got counseling. He got help. And I think the community was very, very significant yeah. in this. And if he hadn't had the community to talk to and rely on outside of me, I think that would have possibly been the end for our marriage. Yeah. But thankfully he had the community to rely on that was being supportive and giving him the help that he needed outside of just me and him. 
Um, so and, and, and I think if you're listening, that's that's the key. If you're in a marriage or you have friends who are married and they're struggling, our typical tendency is to be secretive about it. We don't want anyone to know because we just mm-hmm. don't want people to know yeah. we're having problems. Guess what? Every marriage has problems. Yeah, Every marriage sure. people are struggling. And Sua just says something that's important that I hope you picked up on. Community is really key and getting other people. If you're a guy, I hope you know one or two men that are older than you and that are doing well in their marriage and that you can actually go and say, hey, can I, can I just meet up with you maybe like once, maybe a quarter? We could have breakfast, mm-hmm. but I'd love to learn about how you've been able to stay married like this long. Yeah. And what's been going on, and 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 you know, and, and wife, same way. If you found, if you know another woman who's been married longer and they're doing well, then you should learn because there's things that they figured out. But I think they'll all say one common thread is that they have community, and that when you're going through a hard time, you can't figure it out because you need a third party many times. And so I'm really glad that that's how you guys were able to kind of resolve, you know, resolve your issues and you get get back to where you needed to be. So you know, you you, you really have one of those examples of I think a really healthy marriage now. 14 years and you guys are doing great. Uh, you live well, in 12 Columbus. years, but also oh, I just years. want to quickly point out that it's important to do it preemptively. Meaning yes. I think when you try to find the community, when the crisis happens, it's really hard. Yeah, so you impossible. need to, like pastor Peter just said, I think it's important to reach out and establish a community of support and connection before you end up in a crisis situation so that they are there for you when you right. need to speak to them. But when you're having a crisis and then you go out to look for community, it's too late, right? It's really it's hard late. to find someone. Yep. Anyway. Okay. So PP, you go 21 okay. years, right? 21 years. So I have to go fast because we're kind of almost at the, we're past the 30 minute threshold here, but I'll go fast. So for those who may not know this, I, I don't think I've shared this really in depth in my podcast, but um, I grew up in an abusive home, a physically abusive home. Um, my father, you know, grew, uh, he's from the North, uh, North Korea, that is. And, you know, he, he was alive during the Korean War, participated in it. Um, grew up in a really broken family, things like that. Uh, never really experienced any kind of love from anyone. Even my mom. My mom didn't marry him because she loved him. My mom married him because he was from the north. He didn't have family. And Korean culture, if you're a woman back then, when you get married, you go to the husband's side of the family. Yeah. My mother had to take care of her grandfather. That, she, that was the only family she had left alive. And she would not want to get married. But she met my dad. My dad had no family. And he said, well, I'll take care of your grandfather. Boom. She got married oh, that wow. way. Okay. So he was loved, deprived from birth. Nobody ever really loved the mom died at a very young age uh father got remarried you know uh stepmother was abusive all that stuff so my father like dealt with his issues you know getting drunk sometimes not all the time but when he got drunk he was a violent drunk and he Mm -hmm. would abuse um my sisters and i but particularly my mom so i come from a very abusive home and uh and you know when that happens it's it's you know it's kind of like a bad situation so Fast forward, you know, I've been married to Jenny for 21 years, and I don't know exactly when this happened. I want to say it happened probably about seven years ago, maybe seven. Yeah, seven years, seven, maybe eight years ago. Uh, So we were fighting about, usually our biggest fights are always about family. Sure. And I don't fully remember what was happening. But we were fighting. And because, you know, I'm I'm a communicator, that's what I do by profession. I'm always better at jabbing at her in a way where she gets upset. And I'm always able to think quicker and make comments. And many times she's not able to fully comprehend it. And then, you know, she just feels like, you know, this is, this is not fair. It's not right. And so, uh, so we were fighting really bad. It was a really bad fight. And we turned the lights off. And I just, you know, I, I turned my back, you know, and I wanted to go to sleep. But I said something. And I forget what it was. But it was, it was, it was, a, it was a low blow. I know it was a low blow comment. Bad. And she punched me. Not in the face. <laughs> 
but she punched me in the small of my back and it's like by my shoulder blade in the back and i'm telling she's a small person she's like five one you know 105 pounds or so and (laughs) it was so painful she's strong i was in so she she is the arm wrestling champion yeah nobody is so strong i was defeated by her two three four times not not four times two times her body weight she's beaten she is so she's beaten everyone so anyway so she punched me so hard and she hit me and i was like ow and (laughs) i was i you know i didn't know how to respond i responded the best way i could but then that was it and then we didn't talk again but when that moment happened um, something really changed for me and yeah. I felt like I couldn't trust her anymore because she knew I came from an abusive home and she she abused me. She hit me physically. Now, I think I deserved it, yes. But <laughs> in many ways, um, no no matter what, right, Sue, so nobody deserves to get hit. No. Right? Nobody. And she knew she knew that I came from this background and she I guess she never knew that I would be triggered like that. Yeah. But it triggered me and I was actually afraid of her. And this is weird because I'm 6'4", 220. What do you mean you were afraid of her? Yeah, I was scared. I was scared that she was going to hurt me physically. So like here I am, I'm twice her size and I'm this huge guy and she's this tiny little girl, woman, and I am afraid of her. Like at night, I'm afraid of her. Like I don't want to be like with her, sleep with her in the bed at night because I don't know if I'm going to get hit again. So it was kind of like PTSD kind of happening. Oh, yeah. And I struggle with it. And I actually really thought, I don't know, like we've been through some stuff. We've been through some hairy stuff, but I was like, I don't know if we can get through this. This is going to be tough. And really, the only thing that really helped was a couple things. Number one, I have my community and I call them all up. I talk to every one of my soulmates. I, I got their feedback, their input. Um, pastor Kevin, of course, the man I tremendously admire, my executive pastor. I sat with him and I talked to him through it. And it was just, it was, it was so painful for me that I had to encounter this. But, you know, they gave me some great advice and input and things like that. But what really helped at the end was that we finally sat down and talked after a few days. And, you know, I said, listen, I know, I said some things that were, you know, below the belt. But I just said to her, I said, honey, you have to promise me to never hit me again. Like, Mm -hmm. no matter what, like, you can't just hit me like that again. And she apologized and she said, I promise you I will never do that again. And that was an opportunity for us to kind of trust, at least for me to trust her again and say, okay, well, I I really do believe you because she felt bad. But I just said to her, I said, how could you do this? Like, you know my past and my history, and you did this, and, like, you didn't think it would trigger me. She's like, no, I was just so angry. I'm sorry. And uh, we were able to kind of unpack it, and uh, and that was it. And, you know, and we were able to get back, and we were fine after that. But for those, like, four or five days, I mean, it was it was hell. I, I just, everything, like, it was like, life was just so dark. Like, did you yeah. know immediately that's why you were triggered? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I knew okay. right away. I just like, oh shoot. Like it just it okay. brought me back to okay. my to my days, wow. you know, of, of when I was a kid and yeah. it just kinda triggered me. And um yeah, and so like I knew I had some more work I had to do there, you know, for myself, you know, and stuff like that. And and one of the reasons why I said I'll never lay a hand on my kids is because, you know, mm-hmm. because that's happened to me and I, I will never do it. And so I was never the disciplinarian in my family and, and in the as a parent. It was always Jenny. She always disciplined the kids and I would never do it. You know, I can just kind of like maybe yeah. yell at them, but yeah. I would never discipline them. But Jenny would discipline them by like spanking them. And I was like, I'm never going to spank them because I just, for me, I don't think it'll come from a loving place. 
So, you know, she would be the one that would like discipline the kids and stuff like that. And I would never discipline them. So, you know, you know, even now, like when they were growing up, I feel like they take more advantage of me than they do mom. But that's <laughs> do okay. Do they say like, mom is scarier? If you ask them, oh, do they say mom is scarier? Today, yeah. Even today, they're like, mom is so much more <laughs> she scarier. She is freakishly strong. So. Yeah, she's freakish, freakishly strong. Oh, wow. That's but interesting. I think, the, I think the big thing is, is that it's to be expected that you're going to go through your ups and downs and every marriage is going to be tough. And I really wish people talked more about that, but you go into this relationship thinking utopian things between the both of you. And the thing is like, Yasuo, you know this as well. It takes a lot of work to be happy and to be in a loving, healthy marriage that after oh, yeah. 12 years, a you guys still work. can't keep his, you guys still can't keep your hands off each other. And that's a beautiful thing. And I think that's a testimony. And it's the same with me, 21 years. Um, and we are still in love. You know, we love each other emotionally, spiritually, physically as well. And it's a really healthy marriage. And I'm grateful for that. And I do hope and pray that people at our church and just people who are listening, that you would really take this seriously. There should be nothing that competes with you investing in your marriage. It's not an expense. Whatever money you put into it, whether it be counseling, it's an investment that you make in each other. And you should put a budget together every year and figure out how can we invest in our marriage this year. You know, so Jenny and I, we go away now. We can't because our kids are older now. Every other month, we go away for at least 24 hours. We love going to hotels, so we'll stay away at a hotel and get away from the kids and stuff like nice. that. You know, once awesome. or twice a year, we do it for more than three days. So we, we get on a plane and go somewhere else. Awesome. So we try to do some rhythms, stuff like that, and we have a great time doing it. But it's been, uh, yeah, we're just grateful. 21 good years, and, and you know, we, we hope to be together forever. There's no certainty for anything, right? And, uh, but, you know, but we feel like, you know, we're, we're set up for a long, long, long relationship and hopefully she and I will both live a long time also you guys are aging very well <laughs> I mean you both 47. don't look yeah you both look I'm not, so good yeah so well we're, we're trying Maybe our best but um yeah. I, I, well have you I'm telling you what if you're happy in marriage it'll keep you young for sure so but you know what Sua we're out of time we're out of time. We have and been I, out of time. There's I, so I much wish, more to say. I wish there was more. And, you know, we'll keep going. But listen, if you guys have any questions, any comments, any thoughts, we'd love to hear from you at weekpastor.com, uh, .org, I'm sorry. Uh, please post it and we'll try to get back to you. But we just really want to thank you for listening. Hopefully you'll tune in next week. Take care. Goodbye. Goodbye.